we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know. We're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, sit my bad bud tone. What's up, man? What's up, man? So we're uh, we're year two, right? Year two, year two day at, one, day one at uh, at Premier Orlando, and uh, we've got a, a really exciting weekend ahead, dude. We got we got a great lineup this week, or uh, these two days, three days, mm-hmm. ten podcasts in two days. But uh, I don't so know for the next ten podcasts, we're gonna hear what, what live from Premier Orlando, right? So <laughs> right? hopefully you guys don't get tired of it, <laughs> tired of hearing it. But right? we're gonna kick this off with uh, you know. Probably our furthest listener. Yeah, maybe without a doubt, right? You know, from China. Yeah, he came here all the way from China to uh, to come spend the day with us, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we uh, we you know it's funny because uh, when we first found out about these guys, they were you know uh, Christine sent us an email, and I wasn't sure if they were for real or not. I know, right? You know, and then as we we studied them and stuff, and uh, found out that they uh, you know they they put hairdressers first as well. So uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking to Jeff Mason Clifford. That uh, you know, he's usually the guy behind the scenes, sort of like you and I, that put other people you know ahead of themselves. And so, but his story is pretty fascinating. So I'm really looking forward to uh, learning a little bit more about him. I can't wait to get into it. Um, we had a little bit of a phone conversation. I was like, all right, Jeff, we can't talk about this because I want to. I want to get. I want to get alive. Yeah, so, you uh, know. So here we are. How do you end up in China? <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know if that's the first question, but that's a question, right? Yeah, that's so let's get in. In, involved in the conversation, without a doubt. So, Mr. Jeff, welcome to your day off. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So, uh, originally, where are you from? Um, I grew up in a small town in Michigan, actually. Okay. And uh, from when I was really, really young, I was kind of involved in production and basically getting things made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up around it. So when you say production, you mean like like actual products? Yeah, like not even hair care, nothing similar. We were in the automotive industry. Oh, sweet. And um, so we actually had a factory when I was a kid. My father was doing this. I was watching it happen. I was watching QC and things like making sure that we're making a quality product. And so I'd, I'd say it's kind 
kind of second nature at this point. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Our industry brings in people from everywhere. Yeah, you ain't kidding, man. You know right? what I mean? Like our boy Gabe, he was a cop. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Now he's in our industry. We got Jeff here that, you know, was in the automotive industry manufacturing, and now he's in, in our industry. So, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, growing up in the manufacturing industry. Um, it was interesting. Um, basically, when I was a kid, I was watching people do quality analysis. I was watching people try to bring a factory up to ISO 9001 standards, uh, which basically means, you know, you're getting what you pay for when you make. Um, the people that we were working with, the clients, were the big three. It was GM, Chrysler, Ford. And these people don't play around. Obviously, mm-hmm. quality is extremely important. Um, and again, I wasn't, I wasn't really fully cognizant of what was happening when I was a kid, but later on, all of these things that I picked up along the way that I guess just kind of seeped in through osmosis <laughs> started coming into play when all of a sudden, wow, I've got to make my own stuff and I can't have it be crappy. So That's pretty cool. So how did you uh, how'd you find the hair world or the industry or, or what's that? What's that like? Totally by accident. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but it's, it's the truth. Uh, I started off actually doing design. Um, I was a creative. I loved working with design. I would literally look at like, you know, beer caddies, but like caddies on tables and be like, you know what? I can figure out how to make that. <laughs> and I was doing another design job, totally unrelated. And somebody, a, a mutual acquaintance that I had said, you know, hey, there's this job opportunity with this company. And they were making appliances. They were making similar stuff that we're doing. And when I went in, essentially, I went in as kind of like a hybrid between a designer, creative director, and also handling China, because I've always had a love for, for the Far East. I think it's awesome. It's kind of like just a, you know, one of those exotic places that you have to go check out sure, for yourself. Sure. Well, you, you went to go check it out and never came back. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. So uh, you're making products for the industry now. Like, kind of how do you evolve well, originally I was working for other people. Um, I started to kind of see a disconnect between what I saw out there and the level of care and obviously the end user customer satisfaction that, that their clients were getting. And I guess I had the crazy idea I could do better myself. <laughs> like that beer car, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when I got to that point, I basically said that, like, you know, I'm not the best designer. I'm a capable designer. I'm a much better editor. Um, and well, well, when well, I saw... In, in this case, what does editor mean? Well, I mean, like, I can basically optimize other people's designs. I can say, this looks good, this looks bad, and kind of have a good sense for, you know, where the creative direction should go. And I'm a great team builder also. So when it comes to finding creatives, amazing creatives, I'll put our team (laughs) up against damn near anybody. That's awesome. Um, But ultimately, uh, I I just had the thought that, you know what, I can do this better myself, but I had to be pragmatic and realistic with what I can offer. Um, I'm not going to run around and self-aggrandize and tell everybody I'm great when I'm not. I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And one of the real key, I guess, uh, additives that I figured that I could add to really make this take off was to actually be boots on the ground in Asia. Go, see the quality, see the thing. Make the reputation for our company upstanding with suppliers and actually develop those relationships so that they want to make good quality stuff for us, not just ship crap out the door because who cares? You know, these guys are jerks. Right. And that's a lot what you get in this industry. You get people who they don't really respect where the stuff comes from and in the end it's got to be a relationship because, you know, it, it's all based on trust. And the stuff that's coming out of China has to be something that you're going to put your trust in because people are using it day in, day out. And um, we, we, just, we wanted to make sure that that, uh, that reputation was there. 
So, so when you when you said appliances, were they hair appliances before you got into your own? Is that? Yeah, yeah. We we were doing hair appliances, brushes, uh, lots of stuff like that. Bags, marketing collateral, everything. Basically, I mean, you can make anything in China. And for me, as somebody not really coming from the hair industry. I can make anything in China. It doesn't matter what it is. You name it, we can make it. Mm-hmm. Um, we just love the hair industry because it's just so empowering for everybody. Uh, you get these people who, they come from all walks of life, and they get into this, and it's like, there's really no wrong answers here. There really aren't. It seems like people are just uh, able to express themselves in uh, a mutually beneficial way where everybody builds each other up, and that, that energy is very, uh, it's very contagious. I like it. <laughs> I, I mean, there's so much stuff that you hear about China, like like you were saying about quality control and stuff. How do you, um, like, how do you find the right manufacturing, or 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 how do you know that they're not putting out crap, or or you know what is that, you know? It's a process. Um, one of the first things you learn about China when you go actually go see what's going on is that there is 50 different quality levels for everything, absolutely everything. And in the end, it's all about building the relationship and letting people understand this is what you're trying to do and we'll work with you and this is going to be a step-by-step process to build things up. That's like a key Chinese phrase. Everybody is step-by-step. That is the name of the game everywhere. Um, and essentially what it means is, you know, there's a sequential order to how things grow. Um, what ultimately happens is that you, you get over there and you see that there's good factories, there's bad factories, there's people who really genuinely want to work with you and honestly are coming at it with the best of intentions. And then there's ones who have already made their money and maybe they don't care so much. They've got a big customer and honestly, they can make a little money from you, but it's not that important to them. Our strength is in because we're there, we go in and we find people who actually are on the same page as we are. You know, we come at this with the best of intentions and we look for factories that do the same. So we have people who we've worked for for or worked with for years, and honestly, we couldn't be happier with our relationships. Um, I think that at the end of the day, the product speaks for itself, and that's always what we try to do: is we let our product speak for ourselves. And so, so what type of products are we talking about? Um, well, we do basically anything, any hot tools that you could possibly use on your hair, any brushes, uh, any uh, supplemental equipment, um, pretty much you name it, we can make it. Um, but obviously we have our core strengths and that prelim- or primarily revolves around uh, hot appliances. And so like kind of, I don't, know, I don't really know what the question is, but like what do you guys do? Yes, you make hot tools, but, but how, do you, how do you get it into, you know, the hand- well, I mean like we're here at Premier. Like how do you get those products here at Premier? Um, well, a, a lot of it is relationships on both sides. Uh, we have our relationships in China. Luckily, I was extremely fortunate, and I made some great contacts during my time, actually, in the trenches in the hair industry. And the people that we worked with when I first embarked for China, which was back in, like, 2013, we're still working with. Uh, we're still making great products, and we've grown with them. So it's been a scenario where, you know, basically the rising tide raised all ships. I, I guess... I guess my question is, so you're the step before the brands, right? So before somebody puts their name on it, that's what your company is doing? Yeah. Um, we can we can essentially find anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Ideally, what we like to do is work with factories that we've obviously got a proven track record with. But if our guys don't make it, we'll find it and we'll stick QC in the factory and make sure that, that everybody's on the same page as far as expectations. No surprises. So I, it's funny because it feels like we're having a conversation like with uh... – with Mariah and Pink Pewter, right? I mean, yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, as a hairdresser, uh, 
I guess you you know if I wanted to open up my own brand or if I had a big company if I wanted to you know create a, a hot tool brand you're the guy to come to come see yeah yeah I'd say that's probably pretty accurate <laughs> <laughs> that's how we mix the money let's hope um, that's the business right yeah to be honest that's the most fun uh, we, we work with some very very big names but also we really really love to find the people who honestly are just very passionate about their craft and they're looking for some way to I guess get their name out there in the form of uh, an extension of what they're putting in for professionalism in their craft so you know maybe they're doing amazing hair but they don't really know so much about you know how can I get this how can I get my name on other products? How can I actually, I hate to use the word monetize, but but take what I've built and actually monetize it into products and so that people really know me. There's something lasting. And we're the experts at that. When it comes time to make a brand, to take your vision, uh, whether it's you're just starting with a salon, whether it's you're just starting with, hey, I'm just this amazing stylist and I've got this phenomenal Instagram following, we have the ability to take your vision make a brand around it and find everything you need to essentially stock your shelves. I love that. I, I love and that you can help create that product. Absolutely. So I could totally have like a Corey flat iron. Yeah. Yeah. You can, oh, you can have a whole year. Oh, pay attention guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so, so how do you guys like? So are, do you guys seek out artists, or are the artists seeking you out, or what's that dance like? To be honest, yeah, we don't. <laughs> I hate to say it, we really don't market ourselves at all. Um, the majority of our clients come from word of mouth. Uh, we we've essentially been focusing on our own brands uh, to an extent. They've kept us extremely, extremely busy. Uh, so that aside from the the private label accounts that we have, we have more than enough stuff to do. Um, Essentially what happens is we find people who are really passionate. They find us and they say, hey, you know, we'd love for you to make this stuff. And I don't like to say no. At, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, like if I find somebody that's as passionate as we are about making good products, then I'm going to help them. I'm going to figure out some way to rearrange my day. Uh, I don't sleep much. I'll vouch. They sent us, uh, a, a, you know, uh, a care package. And my uh, wife and daughter, Chicken Hawk. Uh, a couple of the of the hot tools and oh, they love it. That's a job well done, right? Yeah. There. <laughs> Chicken hawks. That's yeah. validation. <laughs> they tried it and stole it. That's pretty cool. So super happy to hear that. So uh, tell our just kind of tell our listeners like you actually live in China now, right? I, I actually yeah I made the leap. I jumped um, six years ago. I actually I, I made the call. I said like look the only real value that I'm going to be able to bring from this because I I can't do hair. I love the industry, but I can't do hair. Um, so the only thing that I can really do is support the people who actually are perfecting their craft. And so this was my best way using my skill sets and the aptitudes that I have to bring value to this industry. Cause that's what I'm all about. I, I love to see people who have a talent and then basically empower them to go to the next level. That's so awesome. I mean, I just kind of, I keep thinking like that this is such a cool opportunity cause he, he is empowering the hairdresser. And like you said, I mean, he could empower Corey with a Corey flat iron, right? right. And that, that, that's, I just think that that's really, really cool. That, like I said, you know, I'm, 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 when I, as I was reading about him, I became an instant fan. We had a phone conversation, uh, and he started to tell the story. And, you know, we tried to stop him because, you know, we wanted to be more authentic on the podcast. But, I mean, it, it's, he's all about the hairdresser. And, it, you know, and that's, yeah, that's a win win in my book. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so you're really in China, right? Like your family and, and, and all that? 
you know, I didn't expect that. It, it kind of came out of left field. Um, I said, when I went over there six years ago, I started, I was basically a one-man show. I went over there, I was doing my own designs, I built my first website, literally designed my first brand, and then came back and started schlepping it around to different retailers to try to find somebody who'd pick us up. And we had actually some friends in Canada that loved our stuff. They had 500 stores up there and said, all right, we'll give this a shot. And that was literally step one. So that's guts. That that so that, that was my life savings in the first twenty foot container. Is that the point? Is, is that um were those private labels at that point, or you were going, or you were you were selling a label at that? At I that was point? extremely fortunate to go over there with some very very good private label contacts, people who wanted us to make stuff, and I made it very clear with them what I was planning to do. That essentially, like I had a dream, I'm going to go and make my own company. I'm going to grow this thing. Uh, I made sure that I wasn't going to get into anything, like any conflicts with them, because we love those guys. And so I essentially went for retail market. I can make anything. I can make pro side. I can make mass market. But at the end of the day, you know, it's good to have the ability to do both Mm -hmm. rather than just be a one-trick pony. But when we went there, yeah, we started with the one brand, got it picked up. And then every single time I sold a container, I lived in the cheap. Literally, I I am the definition of bootstrapping something in China. I went over there and I lived in an apartment that cost me $212 a month on the roof of a building. Yeah, it was wild. I had the best view in town because nobody wants to live on the roof in China. It's unlucky. So here I am up on this roof in China overlooking everything, seeing cultural shows, living my best life. He's in the penthouse for $212. $212 a month. I am absolutely serious. But you know what? It was the best time of my life. And sitting around there, literally building my first brand in a coffee shop down the street from my house was wild. Met my wife completely by accident. I actually got married. Met a, met an absolute amazing, amazing partner. The absolute best wife I could ever hope to have in China. Happy. Have a kid on the way. Literally have a kid that's coming in like three weeks. I got to get them. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> man. Well, thanks for coming to do the pod. Yeah, right? no, I wouldn't miss this, guys. That's oh, man. awesome, man. Dude, are you still in that apartment? No. no, no, no. <laughs> you, you know what, though? You, you'd think that we've gotten a lot fancier, but my apartment still, right now, is absolutely beautiful. Fringe benefits of being in Asia. I still pay less than $1,000 a month for my place. Wow. Everything we do goes back in the company. I, I absolutely swear it. I don't even own a car. Wow. I don't need to. I can't drive in China. <laughs> That's right. So, so is your wife Chinese? Yes. Yes, she is. So will she, will she live on the top floor? Uh, to be honest, in those days, yeah, yeah, she would she would come over and she would stay by my side. And honestly, I didn't, you know, you hear these you hear these rumors like, oh, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't mix business and pleasure. You shouldn't have you know your your significant other involved in your business. And I I held that in arm's reach for quite a while. And at the end of the day, I realized that like I mean, Jesus, this girl just constantly wants to help me. She's basically my right hand. And it got to the point where she just wore me down, and I realized that she was the best thing I ever had. She's literally my right hand. That's um, so cool. Watches out for us, gets involved in the business, works with absolutely all of our clients, extremely personable. And, you know, like I said, I couldn't be happier. I'm the absolute luckiest man alive that right is, now. That's awesome, dude. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> so, uh, so, so remind me again, how long have you been in China? <sighs> Coming up on six years. Bro. What yeah. were, let's talk culture shock. What were some of the biggest culture shock things that you oh, had? Oh, man, the food. The food. Really? Yeah, and I'm not talking about in a bad way. You get you get addicted to Chinese food. The Chinese food that we have in the West is nothing like real Chinese food. It's amazing. Like, how is it different? Uh, it's, okay, like, let me give you a good Chemicals. example. Chemicals? <laughs> yeah, 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 short answer. 
I, one of the first things I did was uh, I, I talked my father into coming over. My father and I are very close. Um, he's a single guy. He's here in Florida, and he's, you know, he, he obviously, you know, he's, he's living alone. He's bored, and I'm trying to, you know, show him a better way. So I brought him over to Asia, and he loved it. He thought it was so cool. But the weird thing was that he was, like, 230 pounds. He left China at 190 pounds. It just melts off because you're not eating all the GMO. You're not eating all the disgusting food, the grease, the fat. It's just not there. So you go there, and you're, like, by default eating a healthy lifestyle. It's amazing. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. So what he's really saying is by default when you come to the U.S. Right, he said, you're eating your yeah. shitty, right? <laughs> right, right he said, you, you two boys need to come over and visit. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. Within 24 hours of being back, I'm searching out hamburgers and hot dogs. Right. So honestly. <laughs> Five guys, right? You right. know, you're burning off when you get home. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? My diet plan starts when I get off the plane. Right. That's pretty cool. So, so it's got to be more than food, though. Like, what was the actual, like, aside from food, like, what was the culture? culture like, what was the stuff like? Did you speak oh, Chinese? I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you went I, over there speaking Chinese? I, no, no, absolutely not. I taught myself when I was there. You start with, like, you know, like, how much is this? Can I have it for less? Because everything's haggling. Where's the um, bathroom? Yeah, 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 exactly. These kind of things, you know, just getting around. And then from there, I mean, I'm never going to be quoting Shakespeare or anything in Chinese. But at the end of the day, I can get around just fine by myself. And that's uh, that, that was very empowering. When I finally realized, like, wow, I'm actually kind of good at this. Like, I don't need help in China. That was super cool. All right. So if I, if I go to visit China, I'm calling you. <laughs> 100% got you covered. All You're right. welcome anytime. So where do you live in Hong Kong? Where do you live in China? Well, I said Hong Kong. Right. That whole area is basically the center of the technology world right now. Um, you know, 15 years ago, everybody thought that Tokyo was the center of the world. Maybe 10 years ago, it became Seoul, Korea. Now it's really Shenzhen, China. It really is. Everything, all the high-tech stuff that you can possibly imagine is there. That's where it's all getting made, from the DJI drones to the Apple iPhones. Everything is getting made there. Um, so we are in that ecosphere there. Um, there's... Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Macau is obviously a, a separate area where everybody goes to spend the money, not make the money. And, uh, and then there's Zhuhai. Zhuhai is the neighbor city to Macau. We're a border city. So where we live in Zhuhai is like kind of like this quiet little sleepy seaside fishing village of 3.5 million people. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a small town in, uh, in China? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be honest, it is. <laughs> that's, that, that's insane. <laughs> So it's half of DC. I know, right? Yeah, it's a monster. It's so, absolutely. Monster. So do you have an Apple phone? I do. I do. What's the other phone? It's not Samsung. It's not Apple. Well, there's Huawei. That's the one. Them. But to be honest, Xiaomi is the one we love. Xiaomi is Chinese Apple. And we love Xiaomi. Got everything in our house is Xiaomi. Like the security cameras, the door locks, the uh, the vacuum cleaner. We have a vacuum cleaner that talks like a little Chinese kid. It runs around the house, bumping into things. Yeah, they make a better Roomba what? than Roomba. It's hilarious. Oh my gosh, dude. Does that, will that work start, on our I'm power start, system? I, I think I'm going to start placing an order like a, like Christmas gifts. All right, uh, Jeff, can you please send me uh, a little blah, Chinese blah, blah, blah. boy vacuum cleaner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the latest that we don't have here that you guys are like cranking out, right? Um, one of the coolest things that we see over there is that, you know, I mean, now you see the e-scooters and the birds and the limes everywhere. Those are all Xiaomi products. They're literally just private labels for here. But those guys are making all that stuff. We've had that stuff for like five, six years. I tell people that I bring over. I've tried to bring over as many members of our team as I can just to show them what we're into. And every one of them goes by and they're like, oh, my God, you guys live in the future. And it really is. We're 10 years in the future over there. It's unbelievable. That's amazing, man.
So, like you see, like you see the videos, and like he was saying, like Tokyo, like you kind of think of that about like with Tokyo, right? Like you think of like the little robots that dance and stuff yeah. like that. But I guess it's China. I guess we just don't get enough information about China, right? You know, like when we were kids and you got no information about the Soviet Union. Every picture you saw was black and white. Blackout, totally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I guess America's just fading behind tech, the technology race here. It's well, sort of, it? sort of like the fashion industry when, like, somebody. I, I'm not knocking any small town in rural America, but when they go to a big city, New York City, you know what I mean? There's just the, the fashion is so much different, right? So I, I guess that's what it would be with technology, you know? You, yeah, you uh, it's it's just one of these things where the stuff is just at arm's reach. I mean, like I can go up the street and I can have a kid literally in flip flops and a t-shirt fix my MacBook Pro, and I'm like, wow, this this guy that like literally he's like 17 years old, he probably worked in the Fushikong factory, so of course he knows how to take the thing apart. But, like, it cost me, like, 20 bucks to get my MacBook fixed. Like, stuff like that. Oh like, something gosh. that would cost you $500 in the U.S. So, so there are a lot of fringe benefits to being over there. And what my focus was, I mean, obviously, I was trying to be pragmatic and trying to be, you know, savvy with, with business, minimize costs. But at the end of the day, it's just so much more fun. I love it. I love coming back. Don't get me wrong. I mean, home is home. But at the end of the day, like, it's, it's really been a huge advantage for us uh, as far as, like, trying to grow this thing fast and really put the rocket fuel in the tank to be over there. All right, so we've heard some uh, all the good stories about China. What are some of the bad stories? Or not bad necessarily, but what are what are some of the most what are some of the biggest challenges that that, that you're faced? Um, one of the biggest issues that I have, um, and I and I get it a lot from a lot of the people that we work with, and I there's a lot of preconceived notions about the way that China is. Uh, it's oh, they're not to be trusted, and this and that, and you know now we have this crazy trade war going on. That's a whole other can of worms. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to get into that. <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, no doubt. What I see is that a lot of people right from the get-go are like, this is not to be trusted. I don't trust this quality. I don't want to deal with this. When really what it comes down to is if you make the right relationships and you get involved with the right people, I've met some of the most honorable people I've ever met in my life in Asia. And it's it's literally just people trying to get ahead, trying to do what they need to do and saying, look, uh, you know, quality is job one. And I'm going to do my absolute best for you because we're going to grow together hand in hand. And if you take that approach with them over there, like you at least extend that modicum of respect, then you're going to get it back tenfold. Most people don't do that. Most people go there, oh, you know, I don't trust you guys and I'm going to push you on the price. And like I said, there's 50 different quality levels for everything in China. You push them too hard, there goes the quality level down a couple notches. You'll get your product. It just won't be what you paid for. And so, well, like, maybe it will be if you talk the price down low <laughs> we, enough, right? Yeah. You get what you pay for, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's that old adage. Um, so, when you like, uh, is it maybe you just answer the question, but like when you find a warehouse, is it like this warehouse does quality and then you're like, oh, that warehouse over there or that factory over there, they do shit? Um, well, we've, we've been basically in all the factories. We know where everybody makes their stuff. There's no secrets. There's ways to find out over there. That's the thing with China is that there really are no secrets. Everybody knows where everybody makes everything. It's just a matter of, you know, who, who do you want to actually build a relationship with? Who do you think is conducive to building a relationship with? And who isn't worth the time because they've already made their money and you know they're not going to care about you. We try to find the people who do care about us. Uh, we approach our suppliers with a lot of respect, mutual understanding, and that also flows through in the culture with our company. Um, I've been in a lot of companies. Some of the companies that I used to work with were basically China was the default blame. Everything is China's fault. Oh, these suck. Oh, that's China's fault. Oh, stupid China. They messed this up. They messed that up. 
in our culture, we try our best to bring people over. We show people, we, hey, you know, we love it there. Half of our team is in China. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and our team is very, very close. We use an app where we're basically all in like one constantly progressing group chat where everybody's talking, mostly sharing food pictures, but <laughs> for the most part, just bonding. You know, we, we love the fact that everybody's bonded together. So because my wife is Chinese, because I'm over there and I'm always showing people the good thing, I think it's led people away from thinking like oh this is bad and rather than looking at it as a liability it's an asset we have and thinking of that has definitely paid dividends he's like a chinese ambassador (laughs) (laughs) i don't mean to be i'm just trying to spin the truth yeah that's true so so do you have um do you have uh, americans that that work in china uh i am actually the only one i am the only american that works in china uh we do have a few members of our team that go back and forth a lot mostly people that come once they want to go back uh, it's kind of a life-changing experience. Uh, if you guys do have the chance, definitely go make the trip. Go make the trip. Even Hong Kong. Go to Hong Kong. is cool. Yeah, my wife works for FDA, and they uh, they asked her to go to China, uh, I guess, to inspect some of the uh, manufacturers that make some of the uh, food and drug or medical devices. Uh, and uh, it was a 60-day, you know, she wanted to wait till our, our kids are out of school before she goes over there for 60 days. And so when she uh, eventually does this, I definitely want to go and hang out. So I will definitely be calling you. Please <laughs> let me know. We will give you guys the absolute best tour. Uh, I'm excited. I got to figure out my way over I, there. I, I've never vi- wanted to visit China so much in my life now than, than right now. I kinda, I've, I've kind of always wanted to. You guys got to mm-hmm. do a podcast while he's over there. Oh, that's, of course. That's your ticket right uh, there. there now you have an excuse. Here we go. Can we write that off? Right. So, so, I mean, what, what's the name of the company? For our company, yeah. we are we are Fashion Foundry. That was the name that we used for essentially all of our brand building endeavors and also for our private label uh, endeavors. Um, so if you're doing business with us, you're doing that. We also have a lot of other brands. Um, I like to keep them segmented because, to be honest, like if we're building a brand for you, the last thing in the world I want you to have to deal with is like, okay, these guys made my brand. No, you are the star of the show if we make your brand. The last thing in the world we want is to be kind of like, you know, us using your brand to leverage us. People will find us. I'm not, I I have no shortage of people who want to work with us. It's more a matter of we're going to make you a quality product. You're going to go out and say, oh my God, these guys were amazing. Hey, you guys should have your stuff made by these guys. And that's honestly how we've done all of our business so far. That's incredible. So how, like if, if I wanted to create a, Corey Flatiron. If I wanted to create that, like, how would I get in touch with you, or how how would that work? Um, well, uh, we we have fashionfounder.com, which is our our main website that we use. Um, one of the things that I haven't really stressed on, uh, and I guess I probably should have, is that because I came from design, even though I started as a one man show, my top priority once we actually started rolling a little bit and started building was to build out our design team again. I basically made my design dream team. We are at the point right now where when you're ready. For that Corey Flatiron, <laughs> we can put the absolute coolest design behind it. I mean, everything from your packaging to the web design through to uh, to actually marketing it and getting it out in front of customers. Like, we're kind of a one-stop shop in that regard, but the design is where it all comes from. You know, at the end of the day, we've got to make something that matches your persona, that essentially speaks toward what it is that you're trying to portray as your, you know, your reason, your reason to existence, I guess. Yeah, like a holographic type Corey bearded, you know, <laughs> flat on holographic massive beard. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm in. Um, 
so I guess how does that relationship work? So if I come to you, like we work out a price and then like I, I buy it straight from you and then I take it to market or, or do we partnership up as far as the cost goes and then we, we bring it to market? Like how does that relationship work or, or is every relationship a little different? I think everything's tailor fit um, for whoever we're working with. Uh, it, it all starts with a discussion. I'm very available. So like we're on China time. Oh, I'm on every time. <laughs> <laughs> I stand like corrected. I, said, I don't get much sleep. Right. So I guess I guess it all starts with a phone call or an email. It all starts with a phone call or an email. Reach out to our people. Like I said, I'm very available. My team is absolutely amazing. Uh, what we would do is we'd actually just start with a conversation. Listen, hey, what is it that you're about? What is your story? Um, once we get past that point, we say, okay, well, you know, let's let's see how we can help. Some people are not necessarily a good fit for us. Uh, at the end of the day, we obviously want to see people succeed, so we want to see that they at least have things kind of in a row together. They know what they want. Uh, obviously, somebody who has a vision is much easier to work with, and somebody's like, oh, I don't know. But not to say that we can't, like, create something that you're going to love anyway if you don't know, but it's obviously better if you know which direction you want to go. From that point, you know, we decide if it's something that we need to warehouse, if it's something where essentially you just want to license a product or you just need something for in your salon. We, we basically take all comers. I love that. And then um, can you just kind of go down the list of like what you guys are manufacturing, what you're capable of manufacturing as well? Um, basically anything to do with hair. Absolutely. So from brushes to what about scissors? Shears. From brushes, scissors, scissors are no problem. We're sourcing stuff outside of China. Don't think that we're just the China people. Um, you know, like we would source scissors probably in Japan. Um, we have a lot of stuff that we're getting into in Vietnam now. You know, we, we touched upon the, the trade war and how that's kind of, you know, throwing everything for a loop. One of the interesting things that we're seeing now is that a lot of the suppliers are moving away from China and you're starting to see factories pop up in Cambodia and Thailand in Japan. Um, uh, there's a lot of manufacturing going back to Taiwan, which is going to be a little bit pricier, but at the same time, the quality is there. So, you know, it, it all depends on, you know, what you're looking for. Uh, if somebody's looking for something that's simple, that's entry level, that's, you know, going to keep the cost down, but at the same time, show them really, really great aesthetic, we can do that. If it's 100% about, I want this one flat iron to last forever and nobody's going to call me on this thing, it's never going to break, we can do that too. Mm. I think I need a flat iron. Forget a Corey flat iron. I just need. I just right. need the. What, what did uh? What did Willy Wonka call it? <laughs> the everlasting, you, everlasting flat iron. Well, you can't go to my house because my wife will shoot you for her. <laughs> There's no doubt. <laughs> We're definitely not doing that, man. Yeah. We need to send another care package right. so you don't get <laughs> by his wife. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty cool, man. Dude, I, I you know, it, I'm so in awe of everything that you guys can do. What you do. Um, how you take care of the industry. Um, I'm actually kind of just, it, it's interesting to me just to kind of talk to you and get to know this because, you know, it's kind of not necessarily a middleman because you're the man, but it's just nice that, that you can have a relationship with a, with a Chinese manufacturing outlet, I guess, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, get rid of the middleman. Well, exactly. I just, you know, this is. I or just you become it. the middleman. <laughs> you are the middleman. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I just kind of love that 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 there's that access. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's kind of crazy. I love that. So, so is is there anything else that uh, that we're missing? Um, 
Well, let's, let's say that you have somebody who's a little bit more advanced in what they're doing and they have an idea and they want to get it made. One of the cool things that we've done within the last few years is we've actually taken on partnerships with factories. So not only can we go source and find whatever it is you want from any factory that you want, but we also have our own factory. So when it comes time to, okay, I want this flat iron that does this, or I want this new brush that does this, or I want some special blaze comb that does this, we can make it. We can literally open the molds. We have industrial designers that are phenomenal, like the absolute best, that can make you something where it's in your head, it's on a bar napkin, whatever. At the end of the day, you're going to see it from us, and it's going to have, like, it'll, it'll look basically in, indistinguishable from a real product. We're phenomenal as CGs. So there's no surprises. When it's time for you to see what it is that you're making, you're going to see it in a picture that looks so good you can't tell that it's not real. And then you're going to actually make an informed decision rather than just you know, kind of crossing your fingers and hoping that you get what you want. Right. That's kind of cool. That's so cool. I feel like I'm sitting with like Steve Jobs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm, like all these things are running through my head like, oh, man, that would be cool. This would be cool. Right. Like because, uh, yeah, you'll probably end up be he- hearing from me later. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting a Tony flat iron. Yeah. We're going to get there. You let me know. <laughs> Our doors always open. Be more, uh, more like uh, Cheers and you know that type of stuff. But anyway, that's, that's <laughs> a different company. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. totally. So, um, so once again, so it's fashionfoundry.com, and then is there a contact form on there or like an email address or? Yeah, yeah. There's a su- there's a submission form on there, and also uh, there's email addresses on there as well. So you know, have a look. Uh, our website is constantly evolving right now. It talks more about our marketing capabilities because we do do that also, but our bread and butter and basically where we consider our strongest strengths is obviously our product development and definitely our design. When you, when you have a look at some of our brands, again, I like to let our brands speak for ourselves or let them speak for themselves. Um, you'll see that we've put a lot of detail and intricacy into our, into our designs. I know that you like to um, keep some of the brands that you work with anonymous, but are there any, are there any others that we could kind of share that you would share just so people can kind of go, Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen that product. Um, as far as like our brands or as far as people who we're working with? Either. I mean, whatever you feel most comfortable with. Um, I'm going up on, I think, year seven right now with Brazilian Blowout. We absolutely love those guys. We've done a lot of stuff with them. Um, we've got our good friend Mustafa Avsi, who we've been working with for a while. Uh, he's got some amazing mannequin heads that he just came out with that I don't know if you've seen them yet, but they're really cool. It's actually the first one that doesn't look like an axe murderer trying to get it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you manufactured the uh, the mannequin heads for him? Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, I think we are talking. I think we can get a Corey mannequin. Can you do this? Yeah, <laughs> we we need to make a mannequin head for beer trimming. I love that way people people can practice their beards. Yeah. <laughs> I love they have some of them, but they do look like experts. Yeah. No, we'll make one that looks just like you. You can just be cheesy. Oh, I like yeah. that. <laughs> can we make that the standard? So, like for here on out, forever, like the mannequin looks like me. Yeah, be a bodiless Corey floating right. around. But Thousands the, of bodiless the, Corys. The great thing you have to shave off your. Your beard first, so he can get a picture of your real face. So by the time they finish trimming the beard, it look really looks like you. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jeff, dude. Honestly, thank you for sharing this. Thank you. I, I'm again. I'm just. I'm super stoked because we also pride ourselves on like trying to hit all the entire industry, and I just, I just kind of think like this is really cool. You know, and yeah. this is just kind of like they, another. They have an office here in the states. It's just not all in China. Yeah, right. yeah, we're we're actually multinational at this point, technically. <laughs> technically, yeah, out of uh, Miami, right? Yeah, yeah, we're in South Florida. We've also got some offices in South America. We've also got an office in Hong Kong, and we've got one in Shenzhen. And we live in Zhuhai, so we're we're spreading out as as fast as we can. 
mainly need based. We're not we're not trying to be fancy. We're trying to get things done. Right. He's the real deal. The real deal. That's very cool. So so you don't have to reach out to China. You can reach out to Miami. To, who who who's uh who would they reach out to in Miami? Uh, they can reach out to the website. They're happy to reach out to Christine. Yeah, that's who we've been talking to is Christine. You know, she's awesome. She's absolutely phenomenal. She, she's sitting over here, but she doesn't want to. Uh, she don't want to join the conversation. Join the conversation. Well, she's the one that got you mugged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got beat down by my wife and daughter. <laughs> Thanks, Christine. Yeah. <laughs> As we are winding this thing down, is there anything else you want to uh, talk about? What what Fashion Foundry is doing, or we have had some successes recently that I guess are, are noteworthy. Um, we we just got a brand into Urban Outfitters, so you may have seen Glister on their shelves. We're we're super excited about that. Um, again, you know, I, I like to try not to talk about our brands. I like to talk about you know Fashion Foundry and what we're doing for other people. But yeah, I can't help but brag there. We're super excited about this. That, how long have you had that relationship? Uh, with them coming up on three or four months, I believe. That's a big and score. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you ain't kidding. I mean, they must they must uh, sell a lot of um, units, right? Right. So when you do the uh, Corey Flatiron, you got a connection to uh, Urban Outfitters. <laughs> there, there you go. Let's so, get you in the men's department. <laughs> right. So, I love it. Um, so what's the... Uh, what is Glister? Yeah. Well, one of the coolest things about, about working with retail is that we're constantly looking for new ways to make our products jump off the shelves. And again, that's where the next level design comes in, is if you're not catching people's eyeballs, then you're dead in the water. And we pride ourselves on just having absolutely amazing designs. Our, our stuff is all dripping in foils, lots of different textures, vivid colors to the point where you're going to pick it up and see what's inside the box. And if we can do it for ourselves, we can definitely do it for you. <laughs> Ready for that holographic beard. Yeah. So do you give as much attention to detail to, say, me as you do to yourself? As much or more. At the end of the day, you guys are out there speaking for us. Again, we're only as good as the people who are speaking highly of us after we do good work. So absolutely, we treat our private label customers every bit as importantly as our brands and sometimes more so. Love it. Hey, hey here's a question. How, how did Mustafa find you? Mustafa, oh, that was an interesting one. Um, actually, we, we had some mutual friends at Brazilian Blowout. Uh, he's he's absolutely phenomenal. That guy, I just love watching him work. I'm like mesmerized hey, by his Instagram. And um, the stuff that he's coming out with now, he, he has a vision. He has things that he knows what he wants. He knows he's a professional. He's a consummate professional. Watching him do hair, is it's, it's absolutely mesmerizing. <laughs> Agreed. I think so I'm, we're just at a point we just want to try to t- help him get to that level. You know, get him the tools that he can do to do the professional work. Hey, he, could you do? Uh, could you make uh, some uh, pretty cool uh, podcast mics? Absolutely. Some branded headphones. You guys will be the next Dr. Dre. What? That's right. That's now we're talking. Boop. Right. Bam. <laughs> you forget the flat iron. Yeah. Uh, Corey, that, Corey phones. One hundred percent. When he said, "Yeah, you could do other things," it just thought, "Yeah." Well, here we go, podcast. Didn't they just sign like a $3 billion contract with Apple or something yeah, crazy? Yeah, yeah, they made some money on that one. Dr. Dre's <laughs> the first billionaire rapper. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's insane. Well, you guys aren't far behind. Let's so, get it going. <laughs> so before... <laughs> We're not far behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just about $299,999,999. <laughs> Starts with the first one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, coach. When you do... Uh, when you do the marketing, do you help your clients with their marketing, with, we, with the overall design that they to help them for the, I guess the whole look? With their, you know, cause sometimes you got an idea, right? But you suck at everything else, and that's where you fill it. 
we are absolutely amazing at research. So we will actually research your market, your target, where it is that you want to put, and then we're going to give you a product that, if you trust us with the creative vision, we're going to give you something that's going to make that transition into success very simple and very easy for you. We love you. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Uh, once again, Jeff, uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for coming all the way to Premiere to kind of from Hong Kong or from God. Why do I keep saying Hong Kong? Before before we sign out, yeah, yeah. Once again, how can uh, our listeners, uh, if they're thinking about doing something, find you? Fashionfoundry.com is our website. Bam, boom, that's it. Jeff, thank you very very much for joining us on your day off, gentlemen. It's been an honor. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>